I'm running for re-election because I like to – there's a, a lot of good initiatives that we put in place, and I'd like to see them further mature, and such as keeping our county on a very sound fiscal – being in a very sound fiscal uh, position. There's been a lot written about that, and that does not just happen because we wanted to. There's things that need to be done to make that – and the – New York State Comptroller's Office recently cited Sullivan County, uh, our best ever in the history since this stuff has been um, uh, looked at and uh, rated, that uh, we are in a fantastic position right now uh, um, as far as our fiscal stress score goes. And the broadband initiative, um, I just got word this morning, actually, that Archtop Fiber has joined the Sullivan County Chamber of Commerce. They're are integrating themselves into our county. It's a slow process. They're a new company, literally starting from zero, if you will. Uh, moved into the area over in Oster County in Kingston, and uh, they have very ambitious plans to go throughout the region. Sullivan County was the first one to, to jump on board the Archtop train, if you will. And we're very excited what the future holds for having a, a fiber-to-the-home solution in our county. This is something that will take multiple years to obtain, but we're moving in in that direction, and it's uh, it's fantastic to uh, have a partner like that. The other piece of the broadband that I've been working on is the uh, outfitting our wireless towers, and as a federal government and grants, it is a I've said this multiple times an exercise in extreme patience, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting month after month to get things going. It's very frustrating, but we're continuing to work um, along those oh, with the federal government um, and uh, to get uh, um, basically, I'll just step back a minute. Everything you do, once you get awarded a grant, has to be approved, every single thing. We're waiting on getting bid documents approved to go out and get a wireless provider. And that is, uh, that's been going on now for since May. And it's crazy. And I'm frustrated. A lot of people are. We were excited to get the grant funding, but the strings that come with it, it's, it always does. But uh, there's a tremendous amount of waiting. And with the federal government, with talks of shutdown and, and shutdowns or what have you, that doesn't make things easier either. And we're just trying to, we're trying to advocate to move that along, but we can only do so much here. And, and so right now that's where we're at with that. But also another thing is education. This, the Sullivan Promise program has been a huge success and, and just like to to expand on education. I think that's one of the most important things in the county. Our community college, the trades program, which we have started up with BOCES. We did light construction. Now welding is classes underway. I like to see those things grown upon. I think that's one of the biggest things that we can do in a county to become more vibrant, successful, economically successful. It starts with education. Let's talk about healthcare. Healthcare, rural healthcare access is a critical concern, especially with now what's going on with not only the adult care center for the older adults, but what's happening with Garnett, especially during the pandemic, there was loss of some services. 
What initiatives have you done or proposed to ensure that residents in remote areas of the county have access to quality health care services? Obviously, county government cannot force anybody to do anything. And you have to have the hospitals, health care, they move into a rural area, they want to provide a service. But in order to keep that service going, there needs to be a, they need to be financially stable and successful when they move in because nothing can exist if it's not. And that is the challenge, not just here, but all across the state and, and other, other states in rural areas. We often, as a county, have to react to what, you, to what the state, the environment the state has created with healthcare or the federal government. And, and it's tough. And the Garnett, we've met with Garnett, and they have expressed to us that they don't want to go anywhere. But just Garnett and other areas, there, there has been this model that rural, small rural hospitals like we have here, they'll do some emergency care and a few other things, but then they will ship out more serious conditions or, or specialties to a larger area. And they'll do that from Middletown and they'll even ship them down closer to the city. And it is a challenge. We can work with the likes of Garnett and as from a county standpoint, which is, like I said, it, it's limited to what we can do. We have a willing partner to be in the area. We want them in the area. And they have, they have uh, expressed an interest in finding another location. The Harris campus was built oh, back in the 70s. Now, in healthcare back then was, a, was, was much, much different than it is today. Right. And I think they're looking to, to be able to obtain the capital to build a hospital that, that, will more, that will make them more efficient and provide a better service to the folks. But it's a, that is a, it's a very, it's not just a, it's not just a county thing. We can only do so much, but it's just the environment in which we exist in that makes it doubly difficult for rural hospitals, just look around the state, to, to thrive and succeed. I would love to have something like a Westchester Medical Center or something right, you know, here in yeah. Southern County, but that just, that is a hard thing to, that's just a hard thing to accomplish. Let's move on to tourism. Sonoma County relies heavily on tourism with the home of Woodstock. How do you plan to continue to boost tourism while also addressing some concerns I've heard from residents who may be impacted by the increased visitor traffic, especially post-pandemic, as more and more people have moved up here and are visiting our area? Yeah, the, it has a double-edged sword. The, it's great to have the visitors come up. This area has always been a vacation area, a playground, if you will, for New York City residents and northern New Jersey residents and beyond. Um, and the word, especially it seems, got out during the pandemic that it's a beautiful place. There's room to spread your wings, if you will. There's space here and it's gorgeous and there's trails and you can do a lot. And that's all good stuff. And we as residents that have lived here our whole lives, that's this is what we like about the area. But the increased traffic and stress on things is the other side of it. And I think, obviously, as a county, one of the things you want to maintain is that infrastructure. Make sure with the added traffic and use that we keep our county infrastructure up to, well, just stay on top of it. Don't let it get out of us, and which we have tried to do, and I think we've demonstrated that in this legislative term, 
with uh, our bridge work and our road work and other things just to keep that infrastructure up. And now it's a, certainly the county welcomes all visitors, but it's, it is a hard, it is a hard thing with the emergence of B&Bs that creates issues for towns more specifically on how to address that. And I know the county level we've We've gone, we've gotten agreements in place with the Airbnbs and VRBOs of the world to, to, to pay, if you will. And, and that helps not only the county, but just to try and, and the towns, I know there's a lot of towns that have enacted uh, some zoning with respect to that. I think it's a, it's not a one size fits all. It's county, it's towns and how to best address the influx of folks. And it's a tough thing. Business owners, they like to see uh, a lot of people in because that's in our area. That's where you make your money. That's how you can survive from year to year is often how you do in those on those warmer months. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, but I think a large part of it is just keeping ahead of the infrastructure needs of the county and keeping that right up to in, in good shape. We don't, because that's the last thing you want is for that to suffer as people come up. Sullivan County currently has one of the highest opioid overdose rates in the state, excluding New York City. I know you're the incumbent, but do you believe the county is currently taking enough action to address this issue? And what additional measures do you believe can be implemented? And how do you plan to contribute to the positive change in this regard? I think the the Sullivan County recently got the high dose um, designation, which will help with some funding. And the op- opioid settlement money, there's groups that have been set up and that, and I think going forward, the there's been talk about restructuring that, which I'd like to see a little bit better as far as communication between the different pillars. And because there's a lot of people in, involved in what's needed and where resources need to go. And uh, sometimes that can get a little unruly because it's just the size of, but I just think um, creating more efficiencies within how that works is where we need to go. And I think we've started uh, down that road. Um, treatment centers is, is, I think, one of the largest things that we really need to, to have because you can throw all kinds of money at something, but the help that is needed by individuals that are suffering from that addiction is really where I think a lot of money needs to go. Education is a great thing. I think that needs to continue and and be strengthened, but treatment is, it's not just here either. It's all over. We, I think we need to address that much more effectively and whether that's a, that's counties can do that, but I like to see more from the uh, New York state as well uh, on that front. Let's talk about what's happening now at the legislature. In recent years, there's been some noticeable increases in public disagreements and some infighting among members of the Sullivan County legislature. As you look to the future, what steps do you intend to address this issue and foster a better cooperation among your federal legislatures? The quorum's always important, and I've been around for a while. I'm in my 20th year of being in elected office of one one board or another, and um, this this has been the most challenging. There's an awful lot mentioned about the chairman, and the but it's beyond that. Quite frankly, I've seen it up close and personal since even before we took the oath of office. And sometimes it wasn't so much about a a political one party or the other, Republican Democrat. It was almost like it was old and new when we first got going. 
I think that's morphed a little bit now. I've said this before in meetings, say it again, that the there's a lot of folks that need to look in the mirror. And, and it's very hard collectively as a group, you need to agree on how the, the body will conduct themselves. And, and it's hard to get that on track when there's multiple individuals. And I'm going to stress out uh, multiple individuals that do not want to do that, quite frankly. And it's been frustrating. It's not why I got involved. And it just gets without a, I'll go back to the days when I was president uh, of the school board and what was looking back on that now, it's it's almost like you take it for granted. The board was very disciplined in how they acted, always professionally, and it was a and there were disagreements and and sometimes those would get aired, but it was a it never got it never got unruly. Decorum was always at the forefront of, of everybody's uh, mind, and I think that needs to happen with the legislature. And like I said, it's not. One person might want to do it or a couple of people may want to do it, but it's got to be all nine individuals because it only takes one or two people to just set it on its head. And uh, and I'll just go back again. There's a lot of people that need to look in the mirror when it comes to that. I'll just leave it at that. Now, if, if Rob is certainly running for re-election, if he wins, I'm more likely he would like to be the chair again. If you win and Rob's not also on the legislature, would you re-elect him as the seat, as the chair? I tell you what, I'm not even going to go there because I don't know what the, what it's going to look like. I don't know who is going to be seated. I have no idea what it's going to look like. And so don't even know who the players may be. And I'll just go back to it again. There's been a lot of focus on the chairman, which is five people or people have looked at the meetings. They can see things and that. But it's this is beyond one individual. And, and, that's, and I just, like I said, I've lived it up close and personal. I've seen it, and I've there's a lot of disappointment that goes all around. That's all, and uh, and it's and so I need to see if I'm fortunate enough to get reelected. I need to see who is there, who will be there in that next legislative term, and then go from that point. Mike, before we go, why should folks vote for you over your opponent? I think I've demonstrated where I can where some of the things that I've gotten involved in. Quite heavily. And the broadband is, is, there's a couple places. Broadband is one. And I've spent just about, as soon as I walked in the door, um, working on broadband. And um, the, and it's amazing. It's not, if it was an easy solution and an easy path to get it accomplished, it would be done all over the place. And you find out some of this was not a surprise when I walked in because I've been in the business for a long time. But it just, it takes a lot of time. And the original path we went down, having an LDC, and that's all changed with the with Archstop coming into the picture. And so that's that is that's one of the things I want to want to continue. I think I've shown leadership there because we're making some significant inroads there, and we have a partner. That's never happened before. We have a partner, and I've been there every step of the way. Solomon Promise is a big thing with that I have. Of course, I'm the chairman of the government services. The college falls under that committee's purview. And education is a big thing that goes back to my school board days, 12 years uh, on a school board. And that is so important. And I want to continue 
to show the leadership from a group that bought Sullivan Promise to Sullivan County and that has created a, a career and tech avenue for folks. And I want to expand on that. I think that is it's crucial. It's critical. And I've been involved firsthand and I want to continue to stay uh, involved there. And no matter all the things that we do, um, it's always uh, maintaining that, that fiscal strength because without fiscal strength, you can talk a lot. And a lot of people talk a lot, but you can't get it done without going into some severe debt. We paid a lot of debt down early. The energy tax was sunsetted early. I think those types of things, wanting to bring broadband and educational opportunities and so on and so forth without burdening the taxpayer anymore. We pay enough in taxes and it's how you spend the money and how you and how you allocate it. And I think that I think I've shown what I'm about, what I'm for, and it is about the taxpayer and bringing services and finding that balance. And it's been demonstrated in this term, and I want to continue that. We're talking to Michael Brooks, who's running for re-election on the Republican line for District 3. Thank you so much for talking to us on the program. I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for letting us know your thoughts on the issues. Thank you. appreciate it.